Father, we just thank you that you are God and you are good. We ask, Father God, that you would fill us by your Spirit. We ask, Father God, that you would inspire us with your word. We ask that you would soften our hearts. We ask, Father God, that you would give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. We're continuing our series on the ways of Jesus. And today's sermon's entitled, For, In, and Through, The Essence of Discipleship. And I want to start by reading some scriptures. It's going to be a quick-fire scripture round, so hold on to your hats. Philippians 2.13, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Matthew 4 verse 19, then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And finally, Romans 8 verse 27 through to 13, now he Who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the first among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Hallelujah. So, when we think of the gospel, many times we think about what God has done for us. And this is a good thing. It's not a bad thing to remember what God has done for us. In fact, this is the basis of our praise and worship. We thank God for what he's done. We might think about the cross. We might think about the significance of the forgiveness of sins, eternal life. We might think about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, and give thanks for these things. And if you've been around the block a few years, you can also give testimony, can't you, to the way that God rescues us, sets us free, delivers us from bondage, brings healing and wholeness. How He changes situations. And it's great to be able to testify to what God has done, what God has done for us. But it's only part of the good news. We were saved and we were given a call and a purpose. I'm not just talking about your ministry or what you're particularly gifted in right now. I'm talking about Because all they are really are the tools that God gives you in the pursuit of that calling and that purpose. What I'm talking about is the overarching call upon us as Christians, as believers, and as a community and as individuals to be like Christ. That's the call of God upon each of our lives, to be Christ-like. The overarching purpose of God as individuals and as a community is to make disciples. So when I talk about the call and the purpose of God today in this sermon, I'm talking about being Christ-like, 
and making disciples. And this work of being Christ-like, of making disciples, is a work of the Spirit of God within us. So God works for us, but his desire is that we would allow him to work in us by his Spirit. Because it's not a gospel, really, if it's not a gospel about transformation. You know, the gospel is a perpetual invitation by the Spirit of God into a dynamic relationship with him that leads us into a new way of living, a way of being Christ-like. This is what the verse in Romans that we read talks about. Being predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Other verses like 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Spirit of the Lord. You see, without the transformation of, our, of God in our inner man, without the transformation of God in my inner man, I can sing, I can tithe, I can serve, I can rejoice, but still be the same jerk that I was 5, 10, or 20 years ago. And just in case you're feeling left out, so can you. Inner transformation is a key part of what the Lord wants to do in us. Because my Bible says that we are being transformed from glory to glory. If you or I are the same next year as we are today, there is something fundamentally wrong with our walk with the Lord. Hear me. If we are not growing in our experiential knowledge of God, and if we're not being led by the Spirit of God beyond our comfort zones into new territory, something is fundamentally wrong. Will you allow the Lord to come and start to touch your emotional realm? Touch your decision-making. Touch your resources. Touch your time and your efforts. Because this is how God works in us, so that he can then work through us. And we begin a cycle of this for, in, and through. Imagine it like a circle that continues. We need to know what God has done for us. We need to allow what God to work within us so that then God can work through us to the world.
and to each other. Can you imagine a well from which you draw no water? Can you imagine a hose that's got kinks in it and water never flows from it? This is what it's like when we have a Christian life that is entirely focused upon the forests but never really allow God to work in us and then through us. And what a travesty that is for our spiritual life. We need to see that God's Spirit is like a magnet that draws our inner man towards himself. And you know, if that magnet is powerful enough, and we're talking about the Lord here, so power is not the issue, then whatever that magnet comes into contact with also becomes magnetized. But continuing this analogy, if the magnet, if whatever's been magnified, uh, magnetized then comes away from the magnet, over time it begins to lose its magnetism. If it's hit by a hammer in a particular way, then it can lose its magnetism altogether. And I see this as a picture of the spiritual life. When we allow the Spirit of God to draw us in our inner man into relational communion with Him, we come out different. We become magnetized. Something of His character, of His nature, rubs off on us. If we're humble of heart. See, my Bible also tells me of many people who came into contact with Jesus that never changed at all. Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, readers of the law, the religious folk of the day, all of them heard the same message that the crowds heard and the individuals heard, but none were touched. None came away changed or transformed. But the humble... The humble of heart. Jesus was all about the distractions, man. I love what Dave said last week. You know, Jesus ministered to the crowds, but he, he just allowed the interruptions to take place so that he could minister to the individuals that sought him. Wow. And those were the ones that came out different. Those are the ones that came out magnetized. <laughs> They're the ones that came out with a testimony. I think that God's grace can leave an imprint. Such a strong imprint in our lives. And what we behold is what we become more and more like. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're transformed into that same image from glory to glory. So my challenge to you is what are you following and what are you beholding? My challenge to me is what am I following and what am I beholding? Because the Bible says that where our treasure is there, our heart will be also. So we need to have a bit of a reality check from time to time and ask ourselves, you know, where are we putting our time our resources, and our efforts. Because that's really what we worship. 
That's where your heart is. That's your idol. And the Spirit of God wants to draw us away like a powerful magnet from those influences, from those false allegiances to our idols into the true worship of God, which is an obedient heart. It's a heart that longs for him. But don't be discouraged because God, you know, he doesn't smash all your idols at once. It took three years for Peter's pride to finally be dealt with, didn't it? And he walked daily with Emmanuel, God with us. The sons of thunder competing for right and left hand at his throne and whatever else. It took years for them to have that pride confronted and yielded before the throne of God. And you know, and it's the same with us. That work that God does in us when we say, here am I, Lord, use me. It isn't pleasant sometimes, but it is eternal. It isn't pleasant. When God takes away the crust from a wound in your life, you know what? It stinks, doesn't it? Wounds really smell bad. They don't, nobody looks at a wound and, a wound and says, ooh, pretty. When God reveals a wound in our own heart, the woundedness that we experience in life, others may see that it's ugly too. And you know what? That's okay. Because when we allow that wound to be exposed, that's when it can start to be cleaned. That's when it can start to be dressed. That's when it can start the healing process that God designs for us all to go through. I like that the, the Spirit of God works tenderly with us like that. Do you know, he has a timing for everything, doesn't he? I think about some of the things God's dealt with me on, and it's like, if I would have been 10 years ago, I'd have never received that. And I never received that correction or that, uh, or that lesson. But now I'm ready. And God knows I'm ready. And it seems like now's the grace for that to take place. Glory be to God. <laughs> so God working in us is this. Romans, it's the prayer of Romans 12, 2, uh, 1 and 2. Paul's exhortation, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There is something that happens in our yieldedness to God that allows us to better comprehend the plan of God for our lives. If you're struggling with what God's will is for you, I want to encourage you to yield a little more. Bow the knee just a little more. Invite the Spirit of God to do a work on the inside. And I tell you, it just starts to crystallize. The way forward starts to emerge. Hallelujah. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You know, 
I think we make Christianity quite complicated sometimes, but I think we can boil it down to this. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Do what he says. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Do what he says. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. We can dress it up in programs, in worship teams, in whatever else. But if we lose sight of being led by the Spirit of God, we've lost the mission of God right there. And I don't want to be somebody that serves diligently, that tithes or whatever else, but misses the mission of God right in front of me because I've become dull of hearing. I don't want us as a church to suffer that same fate either. I want us to be committed to listening to, receiving from, and adhering to the will of the Holy Spirit. That's where growth is. That's where transformation is. That's where godliness is. Everything else is theater, really. (sighs) We also need to recognize that we're all living organisms, like living plants. And for some, a season of pruning, but for others, a season of growth. For some, a season of rest, for others, a season of work. But if, I tell you, if we just allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, all of this starts to sort itself out in grace. It really does. Because the end goal has to be the outworking of the things that God has invested on the inside of us for the benefit of the, the mission, making disciples in this world. Because we're always heading there, aren't we? We're heading to the place of purpose or mission. And Jesus doesn't leave us clueless about how to make disciples either. If I was to give you this multiple choice exercise, if you think it's A, put your hand up. If you think it's B, put your hand up. If you think it's C, put your hand up. Okay, this is a theoretical exercise, a little bit of jest in there as well. Jesus is interrupted by someone in need. Does he, A, bust out his guitar to usher in the anointing for ministry? (laughs) Does he, B, tell them to come back within the hours of 9 to 5, Monday to Friday? Or does he, C, allow God, the Father, to work through him, being moved to compassion? (laughs) If anybody answered A or B on that one, come and see me afterwards, all right? (laughs) The lady with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment. Interruption. Jairus and his daughter, interruption. Centurion's servant, interruption. The adulterous woman, interruption. The man with the demon-possessed son, interruption. Blind Bartimaeus, interruption. How did he respond? He allowed himself to be moved with compassion by the Spirit of God to meet the need that was there before him. 
That's an example of God working in and through. Hallelujah. God, I want to be that sensitive. And yet, as I said, the religious leaders of the day, they listened to the same things. They encountered the same Christ. They, were te- they tested him. They watched. And they didn't even recognize who it was amongst them. Let us not be like that. Let us not be those that fail to see Jesus and the works of Christ in our midst. So now I'm going to share with you a testimony of how I blew it the other day. I always like sharing reality check testimonies. I'd um, come in on Friday. I met with Jimmy. We talked about a prophetic workshop that we wanted to do. I don't normally work Fridays. So it was just a little, you know, a little bit extra that I was giving, you know. And on Friday evening, I uh, was serving on the youth group team. So I was at youth group and took Ellie and two of her friends along. And it was all great, great day. I uh, pull up into the drive. It's about half past ten at this point, And I'm looking forward to a cup of tea and a sit down. I get in the door and I see Liz sitting at the dining room table with a lady that we know. She's got a bottle of wine in her hands and they're laughing and joking and speaking at the dining room table. Internally, I just flipped a lid. I just, I just lost it. What is this woman doing in my space? How, don't she know what the time is, for heaven's sake? Her, her son was also with Joe, and they were just sitting on the settee watching YouTube videos at half past ten. I was like, why isn't he in bed? Why aren't they both in bed? So they were sat at the dining room table. This lady had her back to me, and I was like this with Liz. Time out. Come on. Get rid of her. And, uh, and now I want Liz to come and share her perspective on that same event. Uh, so, yeah, we have, uh, we have some neighbours. They have adopted children like us. Um, this is a family who's in crisis, has been for some time. And at about nine o'clock, this friend appeared at the door with half a bottle of wine. So she'd already had half a bottle, already on her way to becoming drunk, which is quite a regular occurrence. And she came to the door and she said, it's all kicking off at my house, which happens quite a lot. Escalation in violence from their daughter. Um, can, I, can I seek refuge here? Can I come into yours? Absolutely. You know, I just knew they needed to come in. She had her son with her and it was his eighth birthday. And he'd had a rubbish day because the focus is always on the daughter because of the violence. And because they tried to appease her all the time, it was his birthday, but she'd been bought as many presents as him. She'd had money given to her, presents thrown at her. It still wasn't enough because she still couldn't handle the fact that it was his birthday and he might get some attention. So for me, this was a chance to actually do something for him. I didn't have any cake in the house. We had a little cookie. We put a candle in it. We sang happy birthday to him and his face just lit up because that was the only time in the day it was actually just about him. So he'd, he'd come away from this house where there was violence uh, with his sister. He was watching his mum get drunk at our dinner table. She finished a bottle of wine and then she was 
what else have you got? She was just desperate for more alcohol. Started drinking a bottle of Pims that must have been in our house for about a decade. Must have tasted like petrol. You know, she was that desperate for drink. And I just wanted her son to be able to play with Joe and just be a kid. Just enjoy his birthday. Just have a few minutes. And so for me, you know, the, the thing that happens with this friend, once she's had a few drinks, she starts asking me about the Lord. And, and when Tino came into the front door, we were talking about Jesus. And I was, I was sort of just... And it's hard, you know, if you've ever sat with somebody who's getting slowly drunk, it's hard. But, you know, there's still a spirit there and the Lord can still minister. And we've had lots of conversations about about the Lord. So we're in the middle of this conversation. So for me, in the middle of that conversation, there's Tino going. You know, and that, that, how often does that happen that we make assumptions? Because he didn't know the backstory as far as he was concerned. This person had just come round to drink all our, all our alcohol and take up all our time, you know. And it and it is difficult, um, you know. In in my head, I was sort of starting to get a little bit like, okay, it's getting late, and at what point do you do you have a cut off point when somebody's drinking in your home and and your kids are seeing that? I mean, they're not daft. My kids understand the situation. Um, and the the thing that the Lord showed me when I was just thinking about this this morning was. The Lord just said to me, I don't have a cut-off point with you. Because if he did, I'd probably have been cut off years ago. (laughs) We probably all would. If Jesus had a cut-off point, if the Lord had a cut-off point for all the times that we blow it or we, we haven't been listening and everything else, I don't think any of us would be sat here right now if he had a cut-off point. But he is the one that goes after the, the one and leaves the 99. And I think, you know, we, we've both learned an awful lot through this situation and it's shown us really where we're at because that is mission on your doorstep. And we pray for revival, but do we really know what we're praying for? Are we actually prepared to sit with people even if it meant we'd sat there all night so that they were in a safe place? Would we offer, Would we have offered them a bed and a refuge? You know, maybe there was more. Maybe the Spirit wanted us to go around and minister to the dad who's in a, a desperate state has been for months also drinking very heavily you know that that's a family in crisis on our doorstep so yeah so i am the villain of this piece and what liz failed to mention is um the correction that she brought me that really opened my eyes to this see we see things from our own perspective i you know what i was seeing for my mind was perfectly justified but I certainly wasn't seeing the way Jesus was seeing and she told me that hypocrite you talk about loving people you talk about the mission of God here's the mission right on our doorstep and you blew it oh lord have mercy you know what that was a key changing point in my life I have said it loads of times both the fall and the recovery from the fall are the mercy of God I needed to have my heart revealed because I was a nine-to-five lover. Come back, 9 a.m., I'm all love. 10.30 at night, I'm off the clock. I needed to have my heart revealed. I needed to have that ugly wound exposed so that God could start doing something in me so that the next time something like this happens, he'll work differently through me. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty real. 
So to wrap up, we need to go on this for us, in us, through us cycle often. It's God's way. It's God's way. Being led by the Holy Spirit in all of that circle is it's just life. That's where life really is. And I'm going to invite Dad now to come and bring communion because communion is yet another opportunity and an invitation of the Spirit of the Lord to come to the table of the Lord where we can remember what he's done for us, the for us. But we can also submit ourselves to what he wants to do in us and through us for his glory. Amen.